1: Hello, kids, it's your auntie Kath. Now, as you probably know by now, you might hear words like in this podcast. Oh, and that's one of my favourites. So, if you've got little ears around, you might want to listen another time. Or, if you like, keep playing. They might just learn something. The little... Uh, lovely listeners, before we get cracking, I've got some deathmin I need to address. If you're listening to this, it means you haven't already subscribed to our bonus podcast, Six Feet Under. And that is truly fucking tragic. Each week, after our guests have croaked it in the main episodes, they join us to dig into your dead good emails and tell us what they're taking to the grave with them. A word beginning with G. Uh. All I can think of is g Street. <laughs> <laughs> for just 3 a month, you get an extra episode and everything is absolutely ad-free. The bollocks. So what the hell are you waiting for? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or head to wherethesawildersawake.com for details. Right, that's enough of that malarkey. Let's get on with it. Hello, I'm Cathy Burke and welcome to this spooky sports hall in the podcast sphere where the squeak of sneakers rings in your ears, tennis balls fly right into your hooter and every sweaty fucker is looking for a sparring partner. Oh, and look, here's a little youngster doing some teddy bear rolls on the mat. Oh, isn't he cute? Oh no, never mind. He's just been kicked in the bollocks by a cartwheeler. Ah, that's got to work. Ah... Anyway, welcome to. (laughs) Where there's a will, there's a wake. As we commentate on the race to the finish line, it's time to welcome our guests to this harrowing hell. Now, on some podcasts, you get people talking about the midpoint of life. On this podcast, we go straight to the end point your death. And this week, we'll be having a good old gab with... Welcome. Wow, that sounds very ethereal. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on, because you're so blooming busy... I think we've been trying to get you on since the beginning. Because because <laughs> I'm a big fan.
0: Oh, and, I'm likewise.
1: Uh, I was absolutely honoured to be asked to come on.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And do you know what? I um I listened to your wonderful memoir, The First Half. Yeah. And uh, which is fantastic. And do you know what, Gabby? I thought halfway through I thought, I don't think I've ever read or listened to a sort of sporting led right memoir before really yeah and did it did it feel sporty oh definitely did it? Yeah. definitely yeah. well it's really great about all your early days as a gymnast yeah, as yeah, a kid yeah, yeah and just sort of well just how it's changed for women's sport yeah but also you finished the book before the big women's football yeah euro yeah and it's lovely because you end the book sort of saying you know Something along the lines of, you know, women's sport is changing. I hope it's going to get better and that more people are going to get involved. And then literally six months later.
0: It was the Euros. I know. And I did, for the paperback, I wrote an extra chapter because it felt like it was missing. You know, that that piece in the jigsaw puzzle. I think earlier on in the book, I talked about how women's sport was like turning a tanker. Uh and. You know, that takes a long time at the start and then suddenly the momentum builds, doesn't it? And that's exactly what happened, I think, that summer, that we were getting to the point where the tanker was finally turning and, you know, the momentum was there. So, yeah, it feels like we're in a different landscape.
1: Very much so. Wonderful. Do you think if all that had been going on when you were a young girl, do you think you'd have got into football, like like playing football? Yeah, I think I would because I talk about it
0: actually. I went out in the book about we had like a -a five-a-side team for about three weeks but we couldn't find anybody to play against. And we had a brilliant PE teacher who really encouraged us to do lots of different sports. But, of course, if you can't play anybody, then you're not going to keep doing it, are you? And so the traditional sports like netball and other things at school took over. But definitely now the pathway for girls, the grassroots sport is so strong. So yeah, I probably would. I know so many Ex male footballers who've got daughters who are playing football now, because for them it just seems like a normal thing to do. Whereas my yeah. dad thought it was weird, you know, uh. <laughs> because he just he hadn't seen it happen. Even though we lived in Canada for a bit, where girls did play.
1: Well, I suppose it's, it takes a while, doesn't it, for people to get used to a new way?
0: Yeah, you know. And there's still some people, obviously, who are slightly left in the dark ages on that, and you've got to feel sorry for them in a way. Well, they'll be dead soon, babe.
1: so. Um, <laughs> And talking to death. <laughs> <laughs> so before we kick off about your fantasy death, we want to know. The
0: Hmm, I had a few problems coming to terms with what I was going to actually eat as my love. I love food. Yeah. And at first I was thinking, because the best meals I've had, I think, have been in Japan. I was lucky enough to go there a few years ago and I love Japanese food, but it felt a bit too healthy. Oh yeah, you know, because I uh, I thought I need to have something so have got a little bit a, a bit more uh, to it, and so I love kind of ottolengi you know, that that kind of like that Middle Eastern stroke Mediterranean food where you have yes. like big plates of different vegetables done in different ways, but also then you might have you know meat and fish, so it means you get a load more food to choose from, I mm. think, and then you'd have potentially a pasta course as well.
1: Oh, So nice. you,
0: if you think of kind of like that, um, that traditional Italian type food where you, you have as, you know, they have pasta as a second course, don't they? Yes. So I'm thinking to make the meal go on a little bit, have, have some pasta in there as well. And then I'm not really one for kind of a sweet, tooth, I haven't got really massive sweet tooth, but I like an affogato vanilla ice cream with a bit of coffee poured all over the top, Ooh. which normally at night you think, oh, the coffee's going to keep me awake, but this doesn't matter, does Don't, it? It, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter no. So I'm kind of going for that kind of Mediterranean stroke, Middle Eastern feast, mm. you know, where you can get a bit of flatbread and dip it into the remaining kind of, you know, sauces and it's mm. it's a kind of combination of lots of different vegetables and meats and herbs and flavours.
1: Oh, lovely. Mm. So now we'll move on to... The death. So, Gabby, you're a goner. Yeah, What the hell happened? Well,
0: it, you won't believe what happened. Oh, um, so I was asked to do a documentary series for Channel 4, which was investigating different ways to deal with mental health issues. And having done the Wim Hof show, Freeze the Fear, where I yes. uh, explored breathing and ice, um, it was time for me now to try magic mushrooms. And as somebody who'd never tried a magic mushroom before, I was quite intrigued by this and the whole micro-dosing <laughs> thing. So anyway, I had this amazing trip. And within this experience, I started writing that I, I found a cure for cancer. Oh, amazing. All cancers. Yeah. I, I had a plan for world peace, uh-huh. stopping all wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I invented a car that ran on dirty water. I solved problems with the NHS. Yeah, yeah. Also educational systems of the world. Um, it was going really well. And then I started to come out of the trip slightly. And I, I realised, I, maybe there's a bit of avarice here, but I thought I'm coming up with something that is a bit greedy of me, that this is going to solve the world's problems. So I'm going to take another mushroom. Right. So I went on off uh, back and I was told on no uncertain terms you're not allowed to take any more mushrooms because right. you can only take the one um being somebody who I'm a little bit clumsy generally in life and perhaps you know kind of I have occasionally you know I've had some interesting incidents with clumsiness um anyway I went back into the place where I got the mushrooms from and I picked a mushroom up lo and behold this one was the one this was the poisonous mushroom
1: right
0: and so it didn't send me into the trip to finish off the seminal work of the 21st century unfortunately it sent me into a deep sleep a little bit like snow white i just fell asleep and that was the end of me i was i was a goner it was a quite a a sad moment for everybody who picked up the work because they knew it wasn't finished but i left a huge you know kind of document to save
1: the world basically i mean this is amazing I don't think we've had such a detailed demise. It's absolutely wonderful. You've really thought this through. So what would the public response be?
0: Well, of course, the Daily Mail still had the headline, sports presenter dies of drug overdose. (laughs) Of Um, course. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot to mention the works that were left behind. Mm. Uh, However most people could see that while they were conflicted because middle England would still be conflicted about the fact that I was tripping at the same time, you know, yeah. channel four was quite pleased about this because I've actually never worked for channel four. The right. only broadcaster I've never worked for, <laughs> So I thought I'd give myself a job for channel four while I was dying. Very um, good. yeah. So channel four was <laughs> delighted with the outcome of this because the program had viewing figures like you never seen before. Yeah. And they didn't capture the final moments on camera, sadly, but they, you know, they got everything else. So of course it was top of the channel four news. Yes. Um, and, uh, and the public, the Channel 4 viewers thought it was great, you know. Of course. Middle England was still, as I say, conflicted, though, because it still involved drugs. Uh, and it was mainly kind of, you know, second story on the BBC website, that kind of thing. Uh, Mushroom Weekly, however, full oh, double page spread. <laughs>
1: that's it. And also, I think, with a warning, warning, yes, you know, yes. so, sort of mushrooms... Will. And M- you know, Gabby was known to be clumsy.
0: Yeah. And, and was... she she often did things that perhaps were just my very close to the edge. Very close to the edge I lived. Yeah. <laughs> there was only ever one wrong mushroom away from uh-huh. danger. But yeah, it was um it was one of those news stories that the newsreader delivered with a slight twinkle in their eye. <laughs> this person's died, but wait, you're not you won't believe how. Yes. Um and I think my friends and family as well found it kind of like strangely comedic. And, and I liked leaving them with a little kind of a little spring in their kind of, you know.
1: That's step it. It'd be sort of like oh, typical of Gabby. Look at her. She's kept herself so clean all, all these, her life. You <laughs> never even smoked a cigarette. No. I mean, that's amazing. Well, I think maybe when I was like 23, you know,
0: just to go, what's that like, you know? And, and then realise, yeah, yeah. oh,
1: why do people do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listening to your book, I was like, oh, I would never be invited to Gabby's mum's. <laughs> my mum, my mum you... used to have a plaque <laughs> yeah. on the house, a gold plaque saying the
0: house was called Valdor. That's what it was called when we bought it. Valdor is a no smoking zone. One of her best friends was like a 60 a day smoker. Oh really? Yeah, uh, Carol Rackerson, who's no longer with us, and <laughs> Carol would be like stumping her cigarettes out as she walked in the door. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they were so they were so strange cuz my dad's parents were 60 a day smokers wow and they would set their alarm for their first fag of the day like in bed so oh, really? da- yeah so my dad came from a smoking household but he became one of those anti because he grew up in that household yeah so you know when he met my mum they were like the anti-smoking militia that were just kind of like you know um, but of course you're always going to have like my sister then when she I remember seeing my sister having a fag when she was 13 I was like oh my god because of course yes. she rebelled she was the rebellious one that, that's um, it yeah but she was also doing
1: uh, gymnasts wasn't yeah, she? yeah she was a gym
0: gymnast but she was kind of like a bit more of a rock star gymnast she was because right. she was she was uh, picked up by select models when she was 15 she won a national competition and she came to London as a 16 year old moved into like a house on her own in Wimbledon and and she gave up gym at that point and you know she was leading that kind of like 90s model lifestyle so nice. yeah so she she kind of uh she took the gymnastics on she was in Cirque du Soleil then later on but uh, at that point she was more um more into the scene she was living
1: in. Fagging it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think most models at those stages lived on black coffee and cigarettes, didn't they? Well, that's it. Which, you know, listen, this thing of uh, cigarettes help keep you trim is a load of bollocks, kids. You know (laughs) what I mean? Because they never helped me with the weight loss at all. (laughs) Okay. So, if you were... uh, If you were to drop dead in the middle of recording your wonderful podcast, The Midpoint, who would replace you? Who do you think would be a good uh, person to...?
0: Oh, that's a very good question. I've had some very interesting people and their takes on midlife and where we are. And, you know, I think the person I'd like to replace me on that would be Claudia Winkleman.
1: Oh, yes. Because
0: Claudia, who was in one of the very early episodes, had such a brilliant take on this period of life that she'd almost, like, was delighted to have reached her 50th birthday uh-huh. uh, not because of that kind of reason you know, people say oh we're privileged to reach our 50th birthday because we're still alive she was more kind of like at last I can kind of say no I'm staying in it's 8 o'clock my pyjamas are on I no I'm not going across town to have dinner with you no mm-hmm. I'm not going to that party You know, uh-huh. and that feeling of just really kind of like um, absorbing that midlife kind of moment and not being any kind of you know not trying to cling on to your youth in any way Um, so and for her obvious obvious kind of comedy chops that she's got I think she'd be
1: a great person to step in I think she'd be quite expensive though
0: well, it's not my problem. Oh, uh, right. yeah, that's true. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> um, in fact, in my will, actually, I have left them a, 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 a portion of cash to pay for her to host the midpoint. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the kids aren't going to be happy with that, but yeah. you know, that's that's fine. It means they don't get anything, but think that's better for them.
1: Yeah, and Claudia will appreciate it and use it properly use it on some nice uh, black black, shirts. Shirts <laughs> black boots and black boots <laughs> and black trousers. <laughs> well, now we're going to move on to.
2: The funeral.
1: So I just got to do a little bit of housekeeping here, mm. Gabby. Which you know all about, being one of our top broadcasters. So, folks, before we get into hearing all about Gabby's funeral, let me tell you, it doesn't end here. Hit subscribe for access to our bonus content over on Six Feet Under, where we keep our guests with us a little bit longer and have a laugh at all your brilliant funeral tales. Plus, you get every episode completely ad-free, including these main ones. Hurrah! So, to find out how to subscribe, just go to where there's awake.com. Right, then back to the fantasy world, lovely Gabby. So it's time to say goodbye. Mm. What's happening at your funeral? First of all, where's it taking place? I would
0: like it to take place at St Paul's Cathedral. We were going to St Mark's in the Vatican, but mm. I've decided to keep it local, keep it in the UK. Okay. Because I think for the environment, keep it. You know, we don't want people flying in and out. I mean, there will yeah. be some obviously some global leaders coming in after the works. Oh well, of course, yeah. absolutely, yeah. But yeah. Um, we're going to keep it that. When I was, I think I was ten when, as she was Lady Di and Prince Charles got married. Right. Yeah. We seem to have had a big royal event every year for the last ten years. Right. Yeah. But then that was really unusual. I think to have you know that wedding seemed really unusual. And I was we just moved to Canada and we watched it on telly there. And because we just left the UK, we were kind of pining for everything English, you know, and yeah. back home. And so I really remember like the first time I saw that was the first time I'd ever seen St Paul's Cathedral. I don't even know if I'd been into central London really at that point in my life, because we lived up north. And yeah. my dad played for Spurs briefly, but he lived near Enfield. So we didn't really kind of come into London. Yeah. And just could not believe how beautiful this building was and that it was in like it was in the country that I just left because I lived in Coventry at the time
2: right you know. right it doesn't
0: have buildings like that because uh-huh. it got bombed in the war and that's so it. you know the Coventry Cathedral is a modern building and yeah. so I saw this building and I've, I've always thought St Paul's is stunning so uh, that's that's why I'm going for St Paul's and, and also the fact that it's so big it can take a lot of people because obviously
1: Oh it's going to be packed
0: Yeah be a it's lot, be rammed Yeah a lot of people there and the style of the funeral is very much kind of like uh, it's kind of like Italian mafia style
1: Nice The men
0: are all in black suits uh-huh. and black tie the women look like they've come out of a Dolce and Gabbana kind of like um, mm. styler, but you know when they put like black lace veils, kind of in those funerals and that. So it's very, yeah, it's very kind of like Italian esque. Nice. Yeah.
1: Although you've got no Italian in you not at a, all. You? Not <laughs> a jot. Not a jot.
0: No. But I, I think there's a, you know, like when you brought up Roman Catholic, you have. So I spent a lot of time. With it. We'll get onto the wake in a sec. But this and uh-huh. that that reflects my youth, which was spent in the Irish Centre in Leeds, right? Which is where like all my schoolmates either either we went to the Irish Centre or the Polish Centre because all my schoolmates were. Italian, Polish, or Irish. Yeah. Sadly, there was no Italian centre in Leeds, yeah. so which is a real shame because that would have been a great place to hang out, I yeah. think, and get kind of cheap booze and food, which is what those centres tended to provide. But um, yes, yeah, so all my friends were kind of from those communities, so I kind of think I'm nodding. One of my best mates at school, Diana Paravano, was Italian mm-hmm. because obviously you get a lot of Italian Catholics. But um, I think that's the and St Paul's isn't a Catholic
1: cathedral, is it? No.
0: So it would be an interesting yeah i mean i'm a lapsed catholic anyway i think uh-huh. we'll have a multi faith ceremony absolutely like, almost like it would be best photographed black and white almost you know nice I mean? sepia yeah. maybe yes
1: because yeah, yeah. they do they look very glamorous all those women yeah the, the even Italian the ones that are women. like you
0: know 80 have got big dark glasses on and kind of you know yes. big bouffant hair um, lots of lacquer uh-huh. um, lots of kind of animal print going on as well mm. yeah, yeah I think, I think that's the, the look of the thing
1: yeah. and what about yourself though What, how are you going to be dressed in the coffin
0: similarly yes uh,
1: i think <laughs> uh, or uh, a leotard and tracksuit <laughs> oh right yeah yeah
0: <laughs> a nod back to the past yeah no something i was thinking it was going to be an open casket but i don't think it will be actually right i think after the mushrooms took a nasty turn i don't think anybody needs to see
1: that yeah so. yeah the so facial expression might not be <laughs> surprised yeah yeah
0: so let's keep it closed and the the, the people who are going to bring Yes, the the pallbearers. The pallbearers. I'm I'm going to go for a load of national treasures. Yeah. Because I think that would reflect well on the deceased. Because people would then think, well, if they're doing it, she must have been okay.
1: That's it. You
0: know, so you've got your Dawn Frenches. Nice. Your David Beckhams. Oh, Yes. Boulding can come. Claire Bolding can yeah. she can do it. Some sporting greats like Daly Thompson.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Forever loved, uh-huh. you know. Um, maybe even my colleague Denise Lewis, because she's strong and fit and veered. Mm. All those kinds of people that everybody loves.
1: <laughs> I'm just seeing, actually, though, because <laughs> Dawn's very small.
0: Where does she fit on on well, the carriage? Well, that's it. And yeah. also
1: I, I think she'll be drooling after David, <laughs> after Mr Beckham. So uh, I don't think she'll be focusing. <laughs>
0: maybe she can kind of walk in front.
1: Oh, she'd love that. And
0: just kind of have her hands in in prayer, yes, and um, and she can lead the way. So yeah, you have you do have to have people kind of of an even height, don't you? I
1: think you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and probably
0: best maybe Andy Murray, he could fill her space. Yes, he's he's a national treasure.
1: By default. And what what music do you want for the funeral? What do you want to, you well, know, is I, it gonna um, be I think it's
0: Albinoni's Adagio in G. Oh, yes. Uh, which is um, favourite piece of classical music. And it's so sad.
1: It is very sad. Very
0: sad. Don't we? we start off really sad, I yeah. think. But we lift as the service goes on. So we oh, kind of okay. move into the American songbook eventually and kind of like oh. we have some crooners and we have a little bit of, you know, oh, nice. uh, maybe even a gospel choir.
1: Uh, by oh, the lovely. end oh lovely
0: yeah send everybody out to oh happy days you know that kind of because oh, now the women nice. are lifting the veils off Yeah. the men are loosening the ties because they know they're heading to the wake of all wakes so everybody's and that's the instruction that will come through uh-huh. through the, the eulogies and the you know speeches uh, yes we're
1: well, talking of the uh, eulogy I think I think we're going to have the eulogy now you're so professional Gabby <laughs> I mean you know it just leads us into the next session quite quite beautifully <laughs>
2: the eulogy.
0: One of my um, oldest friends, and she considers me, I think, to be um, like a kind of big sister because when I first started at Sky Sports, she was there as a kind of runner. She was stacking videos in a cupboard one day and I walked past her and she's a few years younger than me and I said hello and then we just started knocking about and when I left Sky, she took my job on Sky Sports News and that's Kirsty Gallagher. So um, I yeah, have no idea
1: what the eulogy will be like. What a treat to have Kirsty Gallagher. Let's, let's have it then, goddess.
2: Gabby, 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 or Gabina, (laughs) as I always fondly called you. Well, didn't we have fun? Didn't we have fun? Over 20 years of friendship, doing everything together, growing up, making mistakes, (laughs) travelling, boys, dating. Do you remember West Side Story? Oh, my God, that was so funny. Just the best times. Thank you for being the best friend anyone could ask for. The best big sister as you used to say, inspiring, wonderful woman that you are, diligent, brilliant, clever, classy. Clumsy, very, very clumsy. I mean, always smashing glasses, or I think more recently my favorite was dropping your phone under the Eurostar train on our way back from Paris. Couldn't have written it, but just fantastic. And, and you nearly killed me in a car crash. I nearly forgot about that. Okay. Very, very nearly. But thank you. Thank you for your love, for your big arm around me. But listen, I was thinking, you know, Kenny's going to be quite lonely in that big house, isn't he? So I was just thinking, you know, I know that you'd want me to maybe move in, <laughs> and look after the animals. And your wine cellar and your wardrobe. I know you wouldn't mind, would you? I love you, Gabs. I didn't see that ending. Coming.
1: <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Oh,
0: lucky Kenny. I mean. I mean she's gorgeous. Yes. I was, I've, I've was told this? him three years, but anyway. What was this car crash? What was this? I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. This <laughs> was when we were very single. We were, we'd been shopping near where she lives, near Ascot, and we were dro- I'd bought an album by whatever it was it was very much a kind of like late 90s mid 90s album yeah. and Kirsty was really into her R&B and soul right uh-huh. And we were having this argument about having a wide range of musical interests. And mm. I said, yeah, but, you know, you've got to educate yourself beyond your genre. You've yeah. got to know more about, you know, one of those ridiculous kind of like, not a serious argument that like we were going to go, oh. you know, fall out, but just having a heated debate. And I had this little car that was um, had no roof on it. It was a convertible car, but it was tiny. It was a little, you know, those tiny BMWs that were like about the size of, like half the size of this table. Uh-huh. So it's a sunny day. We're driving along and... The back wheel kind of must have just come off the edge of the... There wasn't a curb. It was like it wasn't curbed. It was a country lane. Uh And the car just like went into free wheeling and kind of just spinning, spinning around. And we landed in this ditch. And I'm not kidding. We were about a foot away from a telegraph pole. (gasps) We would have been wrapped around the telegraph pole. And we just landed in this ditch. And because I never crashed before, I went, I went to turn the engine on as if we were going to drive out the ditch. All oh, right. And she was like, she was there with the first neck going, don't turn the car on. <laughs> and, um, and luckily, she, her parents weren't far away. They, one of them came and picked us up, took us straight to a doctor where she got kind of examined because I was fine. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about the car accident. And she's, to this day, you know, she still throws back at me that, you know, she's allowed to like the music she likes and she doesn't have to like my music. That's and, um, it. That's because, good friendship, you know. You know so,
1: absolutely. Um, I'd
0: completely forgotten about that, yeah. Wow. I like the idea of her moving in to look after the animals. Yes. But it felt a bit too soon for her to be moving in to look after Kenny. That you know, that Mm. I said Kenny can if I die before him, (laughs) he's got a year of proper mourning. Yeah. And then three years before he can move anybody else in.
1: I think that's fair enough. The year
0: proper mourning is celibacy.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. then,
0: and then after that, you know, dating, obviously. Yes. would like him to be happy. Uh-huh.
1: But three years
0: before anybody
1: actually but comes in. But would you really, you wouldn't want him to be as happy as he was oh, with he, you. He'd
0: never be as happy, no. obviously. <laughs> he'd be happier. But <laughs> 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 um, No, I, yeah, it would be, it would be so hard, I think, when I mean, you've been married such a long time. Mm. Can't imagine, can you, having somebody else's peccadillos and somebody else's kind of, their little... You know, idiosyncrasies that that you've got used to. That's it. And then kind of going and finding somebody, you know, I don't Mm. know. It's just you put up, not put up with stuff in a bad way, but you just, there's certain things you just think, if I met you now, would I like the way you eat that? Yeah. Would I, the way you chew crisps, would I, would I have said something by mm. now? That's it. And you, you get just, used to it. And yeah, uh, and then you just go, right, I'll put that with that. And you
1: roll with it. Yeah. So
0: I'm not sure that, um, and also how you find that person after such a long time is, I see friends who are going out into that landscape now, you know, yes. after a long time. Well, you
1: would talk and, about that a lot on The Midpoint, didn't yes. you? Because of uh, people... Yeah, in in uh,
0: midlife and how you get, you know, because obviously a lot of people say they've been married for 20 years or in a relationship for 20 years and then they're newly single now. How you find somebody now is so different to when they were finding that person before, you know, because people are on dating
1: apps and websites and that's it when we were young when I'm, I'm older than you but you just met people at the pub
0: yeah you, you know I met, I met my husband at two in the morning <laughs> oh that's right
1: and, and that's it and you nearly didn't go yeah, to the club it was sort I, of I the was, end of the night Yeah, i was happy
0: to go home and the friend i was with mm. was insistent that we needed a, a drink in this bar
1: uh-huh. and
0: we had to get in you know for last orders and there you know there he was amazing yeah amazing. sliding doors moment i could have literally been in the cab and yeah, never met him so that's it mm.
1: don't go anywhere we'll be
2: back
3: after this short break this is an advertisement for better help therapy online Goddess Charlie, you all right? You look a bit tense. What makes you say that? Well, you're biting your nose and
1: your leg is shaking like a horny chihuahua.
3: Oh, yeah. Now you mention it, I do feel a bit stressed. Come on then, spill the beans to Auntie Kath. What's on your mind? That's the weird thing. I don't actually know. It could be the endless sleepless nights I spend strategising on how I'm going to get a ticket to Glastonbury this year, or it could be the triple espresso I necked to make sure I didn't fall asleep on the way to work. Blimey,
1: goddess. Whatever it is, you should invest some time in getting to the bottom of it.
3: You're right. It's no good letting things fester and get out of control. Especially when it's so convenient to talk to therapists now. Ah, you mean our friends at BetterHelp? Precisely. It's entirely online and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health.
1: And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash wake. That's Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Right, so now we move on to...
2: Buried or cremated...
0: Cremated. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I'd obviously want the coffin to be carried into the church, but then it could be used by somebody else afterwards. <laughs> I oh. don't, so I I don't know why you have to burn the coffin because it yeah. feels like a waste.
1: Yeah, well, you could have one of those eco coffins, but then you want the old uh, Italian Traditional Italian, yeah, glass everything. Great. Like it.
0: So you could take me out. Oh, right. And put me into kind of like some like little bamboo kind of container or something. Uh-huh. I'd be quite happy. I, at that point, I don't care. Yeah. You
1: know? And I do like the, the idea that you want your coffin to be reused.
0: Yeah, it does feel like whenever... I unfortunately had to go to a few funerals last year and they were in mm. crematoriums. And when you see the coffin going through, you know, when they go through the curtains, which is yes. quite dramatic, isn't it? For, yeah. Especially for the English, not prone to those big dramatic kind of moments, mm. you know, and that feels quite theatrical, doesn't it? For those curtains to kind yes. of like... And they, it goes through. And I always, I've always thought... What a waste! Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of a coffin! Yeah. It's different when it's lowered into the ground because you can understand it's got to be quite sealed so that animals don't want to dig up things and stuff. But yeah. when it's going to just get burnt, I don't. Yeah, mm. I don't, it feels like it's a wasteful moment.
1: Maybe that's a new thing that the old uh, funeral industry can look into. You know, if you want to be cremated. You can have the choice of in coffin or out of coffin, yes. and then your coffin can be reused.
0: You can have a family coffin.
1: A family coffin. Like they are family just... graves,
0: don't they? Yes.
1: So, um, I never thought I'd want to be
0: cremated because I'm growing up Roman Catholic, and when you you know everybody's buried, mm. but it just feels like the busier the world gets, I just don't think we've got room to keep digging people into the ground. You know, mm. It just feels like. It's getting a bit full. Yes.
1: What's going to be on your gravestone or, or, or on your plaque? Um,
0: here's Gabby, mm-hmm. as always, a few minutes early.
1: Mm. <laughs> you like being early?
0: Oh uh, well, yeah. Kind of like I've got that sportsman's thing. Alan Shearer always says he's such a stickler for timekeeping. So when we're things like World Cups and everybody's travelling to the ground together, if somebody arrives, say we're leaving at five. It's usually Rio Ferdinand who we'll arrive at five and he'll go, if you're on time, you'll eat. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> brilliant.
0: And I unfortunately do come from a bit of that school of kind of like, I'm my husband cannot stand it because we're on our way to a restaurant and he, and I go, Oh, just give me the phone, I'm gonna call and apologise for being late. And he goes, We're not even we're not late yet. And go, yeah, yeah. yeah, but by the time we found a parking space, we'll be a few minutes late. And he's like, they'll be fine. Yeah. But you when you ring up and say you're going to be late, they always say thank you because restaurants these days as well they're so worried about cancellations. People just t- not turning up. They always say thanks for letting us know, you know. Yes. So I always and I've got one friend who's the opposite of me and she just always laughs because she's just like, you know, her timekeeping's kind of like all over the place and she's if she's 20 minutes late that's a result, you know what I mean? She's kind of like that's on time for her. But it's wow. I, I don't know why. Do you know what I think it is actually, Cathy? It's a rebellion against my mum. Uh had the opposite timekeeping. Right. So I think I grew up panicked quite a lot Mm. that we were always going to be late. I thought football matches were 40 minutes each half because going to watch my dad play as a kid, we always walked in five minutes late to the match and we usually left just before half time so she'd get a good place at the bar yes. so I was always like kind of going come on like in my, as the eldest child I was like come on let's go come on we're going to be late we're going to be late and when I was a gymnast as a kid and she had to kind of get me across to some you know motorway junction somewhere to meet a coach who was taking me to a competition whatever she'd make me she'd like I'll take you but you've got to wake me up with a coffee at six and she, she was, so, I, so I was Brilliant. always like she was the opposite of a pushy mum in that respect you yes. she was like you've got to wake me up and i'm not going to get changed i'm just going to put my coat on over my pajamas and i'll take you yeah. so i think i probably grew up fearing being late uh-huh. you know that was kind of my uh, yeah anxiety
1: and so what what you're going to have written on the plug again Tell here us.
0: lies gabby as always a few minutes early
1: beautiful yeah well we will make not sure. exactly profound <laughs> no no but, but it, no but it's very good because it's a sort of um you know, it it's sort of those little things that make up a, a human being's uniqueness. Yeah. You yeah. know. I all think those also it would
0: make l- anybody who knows me would laugh. Yeah. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm always like stupidly early, like half an hour early or whatever.
0: Also you live in London. I think yes. anybody that has to deal with anything in London, you oh, know, you've yeah. just got to deal with Traffic and that's it. you know, a lot of unknowables. I mean most cities in the UK are like that nowadays actually. Like yeah. I go home to Leeds and I you know, the traffic's just got ridiculous and you can't get anywhere anymore. Everywhere seems to be gridlock, doesn't it? Or there's that's a, it. it so
1: now it seems to take an extra hour if you want to go any great distance. Do you remember lockdown? A, you ever travel anywhere I in lockdown? I did travel a little bit, it was sort
0: of amazing. Surreal, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Because
0: I remember going to Lenethley Scarlets to do a rugby match. They played one of the big Six Nations games there. That the lockdown happened before the last match of the Six Nations, right? So they had to replay the game in the October, Uh and I went to do the game with no crowd, obviously. And after, do you ever travel in Wales on the M4? When you go past Cardiff, mm-hmm. it goes down like there's this big kind of like sloping hill, which I'd never even noticed it was a uh, hill before because yes. normally it's full of cars. That's it. And it was like the zombie apocalypse. There uh-huh. was just me on a, on six lanes of motorway, effectively. Wow. And I was, oh, my God, this is weird. Like I'll never see this again like this, yeah. you know. yes. And almost savouring it in the sense of feeling like, Oh, this yeah. Is, this is something that will I'll never
1: know again. No, no, absolutely. Because as I said to you earlier, I grew up in Islington and uh, the Highbury Roundabout, mm. um, when we were kids, on a Sunday, because there'd been no traffic on a Sunday, so we would do races round the roundabout and do wheelies and all <laughs> that on our bikes because it was empty. Yeah, And I never thought I'd see it empty again. And then lockdown happened, and it really you got your was, bike out. I didn't get my bike <laughs> out. <laughs> I, got, I got my shopping trolley out. <laughs> but um, but it was sort of amazing to, I suppose, having grown up in the same area that I still live. Mm. It, it was it was sort of extraordinary. It was like going back in time. It was like being in a Doctor yeah. Who episode yeah. or something. When you
0: see those old images of London, you yeah, know, when there's one bus down Regent Street, maybe one car, you know those those images. It was it was like that, wasn't yeah. it? That uh, people really. Behaved and didn't go to places, so they weren't on the roads, and yeah. almost a suspicion of what's that car? What, I wonder what they're doing. That's it. I wonder why they're
1: out. Well, Dominic Cummings <laughs> went, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He got in his fucking car. There's only the- one way
0: to test your eyes, yeah, yeah. And that is to drive.
1: <laughs> do you remember all that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> I had to do a twenty mile car ride to test my eyes. I was just was, yeah. <laughs> oh my god,
1: ridiculous. <laughs> oh,
2: don't go anywhere. We'll be back. After this
1: short break. Right now, we move on to
2: the will and the wake.
1: So, the will and the wake. So you would be laid to rest, but what's happening now? You've officially left the building. What's the wake going to be like? The
0: wake is in complete contrast to the actual funeral, which is very formal. Yes. Maybe a bit of Latin, harking back to the, uh, the Latin teacher that I, that I enjoyed learning Latin from. So, anyway, that's done. We're now loosening the ties, we're throwing the veils back, the, the lace, you know, yes. kind of mourning veils, and we're going to the Irish Centre in Leeds, which nice. is where I spent a lot of my youth, and it is much more kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say spit and sawdust, but it's, you know, it's a bit kind of basic, let's say, in terms yeah. of the, you know, it's not it's not a particularly glamorous location, but it is fun, and there's probably some kind of Band, which is a slightly Irish folky band, kind of cross between the Waterboys and the Pogues, you
1: know. So it's that yeah. kind of vibe. As someone there. you'd find at the back of. Uh, do you remember? Did you your guys ever get the Irish Post yes, newspaper? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And always at the back of the Irish Post was the the, the band that the you band. Could get. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes.
0: And um, so there was always live music on when I was going there as a kid. And uh-huh. so that's that's kind of what the vibe would be there. And then instead of kind of having you know formal kind of speech by anybody people just occasionally grab the mic and tell a story you know and then it, it just rolls on and on till, nice. you know, two three in the morning is it going to be a bit of a fight because you usually know yeah. usually and somebody <laughs> will probably get off with somebody else's wife I mean that always Amazing. happened at the Irish somebody was getting off with somebody else's. usually they were girlfriends and boyfriends at the time obviously yes. 16, 17 uh-huh. um, and yeah there'll be some kind of punch up and my, the last time I was in the Irish Centre my, my granny died two years ago she uh, had her 90th there in the Christmas just before lockdown uh-huh. and and she'd already started to show signs of dementia at this point but she had the best night uh, at the Irish Centre and I still, I remember going to get around in and it was, I think I've got seven drinks for about £11.50 or something ridiculous. And I said,
1: like, <laughs> yeah,
0: like, they're probably the same price as they were when I was 16. It was yeah. amazing. And you could still buy a clattering downstairs and book a trip to knock. And, you know, it was all, it was just the same yeah. as kind of when I'd been there as a kid. So, or a teenager.
1: Nice one. Mm. And what about the wheel? What have you got and who's getting it?
0: Um, I don't really have anything, like any one individual item that I... I think my friends, I do have a good shoe collection and I think I'd like um, to distribute that between my best girlfriends because then I'm always taking another step forwards, aren't I?
1: Oh, very nice, very deep.
0: Yeah, I'd Mm. quite like that. You know, and, I, and you know, they say that you never judge anybody until you walk a mile in their shoes. Well, they can all judge me now, can't oh, they? Oh, yes, they very good. All, they, can all, <laughs> they can all have a go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I probably that. And the only thing I wouldn't want anybody, like, you know, go through all my stuff in my house, right? Uh-huh. You know, I'm not bothered. There's nothing there really that's, you know, like a massive and terrible secret or anything. But I do have one photograph when you used to get photos printed, which my husband took in childbirth. And I know, um, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. So my yeah. son came out first. I yeah. had twins and my daughter came out second. And he took a picture of my son's head emerging. From- oh, Kenny. Yes, I know. And he, and he didn't tell me because of course, we not of course, but afterwards uh-huh. we had 20 minute wait. Then Lois came out. And she, she was born. And then I lost half the blood in my body and I was rushed into theatre and, you know, a yeah. bit of drama. And he'd forgotten to tell me he'd taken this picture. So I took the film to Snappy Snaps a few right. weeks later. <laughs> and Snappy Snaps on Chiswick High Road used to put all the photos in the window. It used yes. to like They used to come out the machine. And um, oh, yes. so when I got my pack of photos and I went home, I was mortified <laughs> to think that everybody on Chiswick High Road had had a good old stare at my vagina with, with Ruben's head, which he doesn't know about this photo. Oh. So um, he, he'll be devastated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I locked it away that photo, and I do wa- I, I, I do kind of like you know sometimes warn Kenny that you know I could embarrass him by by releasing it. But what was he thinking?
1: Goodness knows. I mean, it like, was probably, and you it would know.
0: have been a camera, Kathy. It wouldn't have you, been a phone. No, no, because it didn't have camera phones then. Yeah, yeah. Then, so it would have been. A, an actual camera that he pulled out I
1: mean he might have thought because you couldn't really see what was going on down the <laughs> other end he probably thought oh Gabby would really like to would like to know what yeah, yeah to... but here he comes yeah, there yeah. he is like, you, you, could, you could feel it
0: <laughs> yeah so that's the thing I would least <laughs> like anybody to find in the house
1: but, uh-huh. yeah and um, what about reincarnation would you like to come back as animal
3: vegetable
2: or me?
1: Because didn't somebody once... Didn't Liam Gallagher think you were the reincarnation <laughs> John of Lennon. John Lennon? Yes. What the fuck? How did that happen?
0: <laughs> I was in a hotel in on holiday in Barbados, and he happened to be in this hotel. Mm-hmm. And this woman threw a party, and she just kind of invited loads of people. From, it was one of those, like, you start at four and suddenly you find yourself still there at two in the morning. Mm. And Richard Desmond, the newspaper proprietor, oh, was, yes. was also on the beach, right? Uh-huh. And he apparently had met John Lennon back in the 60s Right, I didn't know this but Liam obsessed with John Lennon knew that Richard Desmond had uh-huh. so earlier in the evening I was having a debate with Richard Desmond about selling the rights to your life and I said oh, I would never have sold my wedding or any of those things and you know once you do that I said you give up all your rights to prove you know yes. we were having I mean I'd had a few drinks and he was saying no you know kind of because basically at the time Catherine Zeta-Jones was suing hello because they'd nicked her photos that OK had taken and oh, I, said, but, I, I said but she sold them anyway and everybody's yes. going to see them and so we were having this kind of like totally useless argument that was never going to get anywhere but Mm. fueled by drink Liam went over to Richard later and said what is John Lennon what was he actually like and he went like that Gabby girl (laughs) (laughs) he goes aloof and argumentative or something like that you see and so but of course Liam didn't hear that he just heard like that Gabby girl and then for the rest of the evening kind of seemed to follow me round as if i was suddenly going to start you know <laughs> properly incarnating john lennon so it was one of the more surreal kind of moments of my younger life yes yes but i wouldn't i mean coming back as john lennon would be rather fabulous wouldn't mm-hmm. it but i think i would come back and my husband was a bit crude and he mm. said i should come back as a bicycle
1: Oh, right. <laughs> so he could ride you, basically. So that I
0: was always there. Yes. Uh, and, uh, uh, he said, uh, You come back with something I would use a lot. Um, and then I don't, you know, but actually, I thought, Stuff him. I'm going to come back as an Oscar. Uh huh. I mean, there are a lot of people I'd like to win. I mean, I was thinking maybe Kate Blanchett, because I just love her for some reason. I think she's amazing and mm. she could win it and she could take me home and then I could live with oh, Kate Blanchett. Oh, nice. Uh, but then I don't know what I saw or heard and why Jamie Dornan. Came. I love Jamie Dornan's voice. I love a Northern Irish actor accent. Right. I know he's happily married uh-huh. and he's got children and everything, but they seem like a genuine, happy, lovely marriage. I, so I'd just like to hear, I'd like to live in a house that was, you know, uh, fun, mm. nice accent, um, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody like he'd win it or uh-huh. if not, Kate Blanchett. Or, or maybe, you know, whoever the year
1: I die wins...
0: Yes, because
1: no. I imagine Kate Blount, she's got so many awards, y- you might get lost. True, amongst didn't think of that. Whereas Jamie would be so thrilled.
0: Yes, <laughs> 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 because
1: he was like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. So I would go
0: everywhere with him. Uh-huh. I'd, be, I'd be traveling around the world. Yeah, I'd come back as something that nobody's gonna, that you're not gonna wanna throw away. Yes, basically, you know, so, so something that people keep. Or, sorry, I'm now thinking I could be the football that England finally win the World
1: Cup. Uh, <laughs> the men, you mean? The um, men? Well, oh. the women haven't won it yet. Well, the women haven't won the World Cup, no. Yeah. Um, mm, that's so, true.
0: Yeah, either, either. But then somebody has to score a hat-trick for it to be kept, otherwise it'll just get kicked away in the crowd, won't it? Oh,
1: I see. Yeah.
0: So there's, yeah, there needs to be a bit more thought on this, I think.
1: Okay. Yeah. We like it's all the thoughts. It's a thing. Yes. So, Gabby, we're almost at the end of this episode, which has been fabulous and thrilling. But before you take your last breath, we would like to know what your... What would they be, your famous last words?
0: I would love my famous last words to be something profound, like I have loved and lived enough for now. But I fear they will be something like... Can you put your shoes away at the back door? Or yeah. um, why is nobody taking the dog food out of the freezer? Or um, who's emptied the dishwasher like this? Or who's stacked it like this? Yes. You know those phrases that I I seem to repeat on a daily basis. So um, um, I think it is far more likely to be one of those. Okay. Um, yeah. So so yeah, we we could go with I think probably yeah. Why have you not taken the dog food out of the freezer?
1: <laughs> I, think that, <laughs> I think I think that's a great... Great way to end one's life um, with those final why haven't you take the dog food out of the freezer? I think that's wonderful. Well, listen, Gabby, thank you so much. You, you've been absolutely delightful, as I knew you would be, as well. I've been trying to get you on for fucking months. Um but listen, lovely listener, we're gonna give you some more because Gabby is sticking around on our subscription podcast, Six Feet Under where we rifle through your real-life death anecdotes. So head to com to subscribe. Thank you again for joining us, Gabby. Is she going? Now you must be gone. Oh, she's gone. You've been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Wake with me, Cathy Burke. My senior producer is Charlie Morell, and my producer is Naya Dio, or as I like to call them, my goddesses. Our engineers are Ed Gill and Matthias Torres Solé, marketing by Kieran Lancini. Our production coordinator is Lily Hambly, music by Jonathan Rathbone, and the executive producer is Ollie
2: Wilson.